Welcome to Climbing Climate. Today in the studio, it's us. I am Caro and next to me there is Hannah. Hi everyone. It's going to get really cold now as we are going to talk about ice cores. Let's go. As mentioned last time, later in this episode, we will be traveling in time. But at first, we start with traveling in space. So this is easy. We just walk there or we climb. Well, let's take into consideration where we are going. On Earth, there is a lot of ice and snow, not only in winter, at least at the moment. At the poles, there are huge sheets of ice. And at lower latitudes, so in between the poles, there also exists ice. There are many smaller and larger glaciers covering valleys between high mountains, everywhere where it's cold enough. And if there is enough precipitation. The ice preserves stories, stories from long ago. How this happened and how these stories can be brought to the surface, we will learn now. This is the first part of the mini-series about ice cores. Have fun! The glaciers and ice sheets of the Earth consist of ice and snow. So far, so good. Their surface is usually white and it is glistening in the sun. It lies beautifully nestled between majestic mountaintops, or it is so huge that far and wide only snow can be seen. Beautiful, but also exciting? I think, actually, it is incredibly exciting. Beneath the snow, there is slumbering and immense treasure chest. Glaciers and ice sheets are unimaginably large libraries. They store valuable knowledge about the past, one of the reasons why the ice is so precious. The books in these libraries are not made of papers, but of ice. Of course. What else could it be? Air? Actually, yes. Also air. Really? But this will be the topic of the second episode about ice cores. Oh, and there I already dropped this name. The books in the icy library are called ice cores. So, ice cores are historical books that lie dormant in the frozen libraries. They are waiting to tell us their stories, and thus something about the history of Earth. The stories of the ice cores are written continuously. Until the very end, that means, until the day they are drilled. Of course, there can be pages missing, as in very old paper books. But if the book isn't stored in perfect conditions, it might be damaged. Nature learned how to write long before humans did. In fact, it learned writing even long before humans existed. Not all writings have been preserved, but some ice core books go back into the past incredibly far. That means they've been waiting a very long time for someone to understand their language and what they're trying to tell us. We humans have been on their track and we are beginning to learn their language right now. How does this language work? And how can we read it? That is what we will learn in the second episode. First, we have to ask the question, how do we get a book from these huge libraries? Are there ice librarians we can just ask? <laughs> no, it's probably not that simple. Ice librarians, sadly, have not been discovered yet. We have to take it in our own hands, but how do we do that? We use a scientific method. Does that mean we leave through our books, like paper books or ebooks, we think and ponder and come up with theories, 
which we then test. No, we use a drill. Of course, we don't take a drill that you would also use at home. We wouldn't get very far with that. The ice would only come up in small pieces and remain in a completely chaotic pile on the surface. Just like the dust that trickles out of the wall after drilling a hole for installing, let's say, a comfy hammock. This fine ice crystal, dust, is not what we can use. That's not how it works. After all, we don't take paper books off the shelf with a shredder. We want to get the ice out of the ice sheet in one piece. We want to drill an ice core and bring it to the surface. Well, we have to admit we can't bring the core up completely in one piece because in some places we can drill several kilometers deep into the ice. Our drilling tower would need to be the same height then. Several kilometers? You want to build the highest building in the world? Go for it, but for what? You wouldn't be able to transport the ice core anywhere. And it might just melt quickly in the summer sun. Now I'm starting to imagine how a one kilometer wide transport box for an ice core might look like. <laughs> so what we do is we cut the ice core into short pieces. Or actually we break it into pieces. But more information about the process of drilling in the drilling camp will be provided later in this episode. So by getting single pieces of the core out of the ice, we obtain one chapter after the other from the library. But, of course, the chapters must not get mixed up, so we always have to try to keep the overview. This is actually not too easy. Unfortunately, it has happened sometimes that the part of nice cores get lost on the way. Oh no. That is annoying, because this means some chapters of the books are missing. So, how do we now get to the entrance of the ice library? By airplane. A small machine with runners, so it can ice skate. Because our landing strip is the ice surface. The entrance portal is supposed to be huge, but we don't see it. We only see white. White as far as the eye can see. Hmm. So there is no portal. Or is it? The glistening white looks so promising. Hmm. Because it is the portal. The snow on the surface hides the vast library of ice beneath it. So, come on, let's go through the puddle made of snow. Well, in this case, that means shoveling the snow aside. Under the snow comes the fern, a layer where the snow has already become more icy and coarse-grained. This snow has been here for at least a year now. The deeper we get, the more densely the snow or fern is packed. Until, finally, the increasingly dense ice appears underneath. This once was snow, and then fern, and now ice. It has been here for a few years now, and is pressed together very tightly. With this solid piece of ice, our first chapter emerges, although it actually is the last chapter of our frozen book, because the ice up here is the youngest. The ice underneath now gets older and older the deeper we drill. So this is how we travel in time. We drill deeper and deeper into the ice. Or, to say it in the climate climber manner, we climb down the ice and further back in time. But how are ice cores drilled? How are drilling camps set up? Yes, you heard us correctly, drilling camps. The drilling isn't done by a few people with a drill and that's it. If you want to get the really old ice, you have to drill deep kilometers deep actually. 
That means you should take some time for that. Literally years. And you need many people. So, let's build a drilling camp. What do we need for our camp? Maybe a drill? Housings? Sanitary facilities? Working places? And most important, the food. We need a kitchen, storage for food and a fridge. Okay, well, we probably don't need a fridge when there's ice everywhere around us. Anyway, let's have a look on the climate conditions our camp has to sustain. In the polar regions, the drilling can only be done in summer. Because in winter it is dark there all day and the low temperatures are far below freezing. In addition, harsh winter storms would make the work very uncomfortable and dangerous. During winter times, it must therefore be possible to somehow barricade the borehole. So we need to build it smart. We want to be able to leave everything as it was and not to have to rebuild it everything the next year. So what do we do about that? We simply build the drills, laboratories and parts of the camp into the ice. Therefore, we dig deep trenches. These then can just be closed from above so that it can't snow into them. Okay, okay, so far so good. But what about the drill? How does the drill work? The ice cores are drilled vertically downwards. There are two different drilling methods. They're called mechanical drilling and thermal drilling. You can get excited because both are working a little bit like the preparation of sweets. <laughs> Ooh, I'm getting hungry now. The mechanical methods works a bit like cookie cutting. The sharp end of the drill in the shape of a cylinder pierces the ice and slowly drills it its way down around the ice core, rotating. For the thermal method, the so-called ice cream parlor trick is used. Ice cream sellers use a hot spoon to form particularly beautiful chocolate ice cream balls. Thermal drilling works in a similar way. Heat is used to melt a ring around the ice core. Yum, yum, chocolate ice cream. Yes, well, but in our case, it's water instead of chocolate, unfortunately. Or maybe luckily, the scientists might have eaten everything before the ice core gets into the laboratory. <laughs> <laughs> Then the next job description will be requirements, not liking chocolate ice cream. Yeah, sure. Let's get back to the real-world ice core. With each drilling, a small piece of a few meters is drilled and then brought to the surface. There it is divided into even smaller pieces of half a meter to a meter, put into metal tubes and labeled. Then the ice cores are taken to the storage facility, which is also located in the trench in the ice. Quite practical, because in this way the ice sheet itself takes over the function of a freezer. When drilling, Many hundreds of meters in the depth, it is important to make sure that the borehole remains stable. Due to the high pressure in the deep ice, there's the risk that the borehole will be compressed again over time. To counteract this, a special fluid is put into the borehole, the so-called drilling fluid. This can be a wide variety of fluids, but the important thing is that they do not freeze, well, logically, and that they have the right density. They basically replace the ice that was there before and the borehole that way does not deform. For such an ambitious drilling project, we need many helping hands. That's why there's always a lot of people in the camp in summer. 
It drilled day and night because the sun shines 24 hours a day. The drilling teams are divided into several shifts, of course, since sleeping is still a must. They sleep and cook in tents or in small transportable dome-shaped huts, the so-called igloo satellite cabins. Oh, you mean the tomatoes? Yes, the cabins can sometimes be giving amusing nicknames like tomatoes, as the red sleeping balls were called in the Neem Ice Drilling Camp on Greenland. And what about the bathrooms? Guess what? The shower is taken with melted snow. And the toilet is just a deep hole in the snow, covered by a small tent, which may feel a bit strange at first. It sounds interesting. Yes, well, life on the ice is a bit different than it is in the city. If you're not completely exhausted from the long working day, you can go cross-country skiing, for example. The cross-country trail here is basically endless, but you shouldn't get lost, because you're unlikely to find people to ask for directions. That sounds exciting. So we've done it. We built an ice core drilling camp. Yeah, great. And we already learned a lot about ice cores. We learned that ice cores save information about our climate for times long gone. We know where to find them and we know how to drill them. You might feel a bit tired now. Hopefully not as tired as the people in the drilling camp after a long drilling shift. So anyway, let's take a break here. We will meet again in the second episode about ice cores, where we will learn to read the ice cores. Because why should we travel back in time if we don't understand any of it? So this was it for today. Before the second episode about ice cores, you will get a warm-up on atoms and isotopes. You need this basis to be able to understand what we will explain in the next episode. So don't get lost on the ice and keep climbing! Outtakes. <laughs> you can get excited. You can get excited because both are working a little bit like the preparation of sweet desserts. <laughs> <laughs> both are working a little bit like the preparation of sweet deserts. Desserts. Ich habe Probleme mit den Worten. Yum yum chocolate ice cream. Ha, 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 ha.